haverá For from you are all things, and to you are all things. You deserve the glory. So it's always a joy to be here. I'm always thankful for Stephen. Um, you know, still a brother to me, someone I consider a mentor uh, in the ministry, and he's always given me an opportunity to continue to you know, bless God's people and to grow myself as a minister. And I thank you for that. It's always an honor to come and preach here. Um, so I'd like to ask you guys to open up your Bible. I think it'll probably be here for you to Second Peter chapter 1, verses 3 to 11. It reads as this. His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence, by which he granted to us his precious and very great promises, so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. For this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue and virtue with knowledge, and knowledge with self-control, and self-control with steadfastness, and steadfastness with godliness, and godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For whoever lacks these qualities is so nearsighted that he is blind, having forgotten that he was cleansed from his former sins. Therefore, brothers, be all the more diligent to confirm your calling and election. For if you practice these qualities, you will never fail. You will never fall. For in, these, for in this way, there will be richly provided for you an entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Let me pray. Father, there's so much in this text. I just pray, Lord, that you know me, a flawed man, is probably unable to fully unearth everything that you have to say in this text. I pray that we will come away, Lord God, with a beautiful conviction of the magnificent power you have for us and working in us through your spirit. As this new year is upon us, Lord God, I pray, Lord, for a renewed commitment to inviting your presence in our lives. Give us renewed hope, renewed vision, and Lord, conform our image to your son as we seek to live out this life, Lord God. Be with us and remind us that you are with us. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Well, it's the new year. It's that time again. What's on everybody's mind? Change. New Year's resolution. We all got those goals, those things we're thinking about, those things that we want to see God come into our lives and work his 
wondrous, wonderful power, and it's, it's, it ranges from all different things. We have these goals that we set because we want to better our lives and better our circumstances. And so, what are your, some of your goals this year? Fitness goals. I know I've got fitness goals. Last year, by God's grace, I lost 50 pounds. I'm trying to continue that this year. I'm trying to work on various things that I know God's called me to do in my life. Some of you have financial goals. I got, I got everything on this list is my goal. Financial goals, career goals, <laughs> relationship goals, spiritual goals. We all got them. We're thinking about ways in which, you know, God is calling us to a higher level of holiness, a higher level of, and, and, and also thinking about how we can impact the people around us in, in different ways, right? Church goals, everything. And it's a good idea to use the new year as motivation to instill new ideas, habits, and think about the direction of one's life. I think it's great. We all need these seasonal moments to think about things again and reflect. So we should use this time. However, I think we've all been here before. What starts out new and fresh inevitably becomes old and mundane and stale. And you might have that energy for the first week or two, maybe a month, maybe even six months if you're really committed. But after a while, this year feels like last year. Might feel like the year before that. And so, am I saying don't set these New Year goals? No, I'm not saying that. I think it's, like I said, it's good to have times of reflection but what I am saying is that we need something more than seasonal motivation in order to achieve these goals and dreams that we have for ourselves, right? You may make a promise to change at the start of this new year, but a promise to change won't amount to anything without the power to change, right? We need, to, we need oftentimes to recognize that it isn't just about making the promise, and promise is good, reflection is good, but the Christian life, the way we go about change is tapping into a greater power than ourselves that God has provided for us in order to see this change that we want. So I feel like God led me to this text. Really, I probably could have preached from many different texts this morning, but I wanted to see what Peter had to say for us as we look to live out a Christianly way of inviting God's change into our life for this new year. So let's look at verse 3 of the text. His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. I just want to read that again, man. I really want to read this again because this text is probably one of my favorite verses in the Bible. Let it sink in. His divine power has granted to us all, not some things, not a few things, all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence. Friends, we've all had those professors, teachers, 
that you were in class and when a big test was coming around, they gave you a study guide and the study guide helped you pass the test. But we also had those professors who gave you a study guide and you studied it and when you came to take the test, you saw that you were greeted with an anxiety attack because some of the things that are on the test wasn't exactly in the study guide. And now you're like in panic mode trying to figure out how you're going to deal with this test. Everything you needed to be successful was not given to you by the professor. You were not made knowledgeable of what you needed. or well, it wasn't made available to you. But I'm trying to tell you that in the test that is life, God is not like the professor who hasn't properly given you the tools you need to be successful. God, by his power, has given us everything we need for life and godliness. Friends, I submit to you that this is one of the most precious assurances in all of Scripture. Because it's so meta. Oftentimes we get consumed with what's in front of us, what's the circumstances, and it overwhelms us. And we can't see past the circumstances. But I'm here to tell you that everything you need to live life faithfully and grow in godliness has been given to us through faith in Jesus. And so for all your goals this year, this is great news. In Christ, we got everything we need to win. You can knock your goals out the park. It's a, I, I want you to know that. You can, you can, you're more than a conqueror. You can achieve everything you're set out and God has put on your heart to achieve. But I want to be real. In this life, we are encountering so much suffering and opposition that we do fall into despair. We see the world around us. We feel completely overwhelmed. I'm going to be honest. Maybe it's just me. But do you ever feel like you just suck at life? Do you ever just feel like you're, you're just trash at life? Stuff's happening, and you can't deal with it. <laughs> Relational stuff, career stuff, family stuff, responsibilities. It's all hitting you day after day after day, and you just can't adult. You're not good at adulting, as they say. I feel like that all the time. I'm not preaching this word to you. I'm preaching it to me. I'm sorry. I hope you guys all get encouraged by this word today. I hope you do. But if you don't, I will. Because this was encouraging to me. I had to remind myself of this as I was preparing to come to try to encourage you guys today. Because life hits. And it's nonstop. It takes no breaks. You go on vacation, life never goes on vacation. It's always hitting you upside the head with something, one after the next. And you just feel like you can't live life well. It happens. And when we feel this way, it's tempting to believe that God's power in our lives is inadequate. And we therefore will be overtaken by whatever opposition we face. 
However, what I love about this verse is that it reminds us that we can be confident. Let me say that again. It reminds us that we can be confident in God's divine power to work in us no matter our various circumstances and challenges that we face. And I'm not going to be naive in here. People in here or people who are going to listen to the podcast later, I'm not going to assume that everyone's coming into this year with happiness and jolly and glee and energy. I wish you were, but I know how life is. You may be coming in feeling despair. This, like, this year doesn't feel like a new year at all to you. It feels like New Year's Eve, 24 hours, New Year's Day. It's still bleeding. Time's all connected. It's, you know, sometimes I think we think that the new year just, it's like a new eon or a new, no, it's, just, it's all the same. It's all times all connected. <laughs> the past connected to the present, present to the future. Things you dealt with years ago still affecting you today. And you might say new year, new me, but it's still new year, old you. And it's, it, it, it overwhelms us and we feel the burden of this. But the battle is between the lie that our circumstances have been preaching to us and telling us the things that we've been dealing with often for years in some ways and the truth of God's word. Listen to what Paul says in Ephesians chapter 1, verses 18 to 20. I love this. He says, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people, and his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms. And again in Romans 8:11, he picks up a similar idea. It, and in the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead, it, and if, I'm sorry, the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of the spirit who lives in you. Two things I want to draw from these verses. I love how he says in verse 18 of Ephesians 1, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. I pray that prayer for us today. I, I think the church desperately needs that today. That the eyes of our hearts would be enlightened to the hope that he has called us, the hope of eternal life, the hope of what God has for us, the blessings in Christ that he has for us today. We serve the God of hope. And we need to be reminded of that. We need scripture to remind us of that. We need our brothers and sisters in Christ to remind us of that, of this living hope. And Paul knew ultimately God has to be the one that constantly reminds us because everything else around us preaches despair. And so we need to be enlightened and reminded of the hope that he has called us to. And Romans, so he says in verse 19, he says, 
um, sorry, in, still in Ephesians, he says, and his incomparably great power that he has for us who believe, for us who believe. And in uh, verse 11 of Romans 8, he says that the spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you. So there's a power that is for us and a power that is in us. Friends, I have a question that I want for you to wrestle with. It's no fancy play on words that Paul says the same power that raised Jesus from the dead is living in you. So no, it's, he wasn't trying to be, he wasn't, trying, he wasn't using hyperbole, he wasn't trying to be bombastic. He said it for a reason. Do you really believe that miraculous power lives in you through the Holy Spirit? Wrestle with that question. Do you really believe? Because that's what the resurrection is, a miracle. It is a miracle. Someone was dead, they came back to life. That doesn't happen by natural means. That happens by supernatural intervention. Paul is saying that same miraculous power lives in you and me today. That wasn't for 2,000 years ago. It's available to you today by the Spirit living in you. I personally believe, this is living my life, 35 years old, birthday was a week ago, getting older, you know, as I reflect on my life, I personally believe one of the biggest issues facing the church today is a lack of the awareness of the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives, personally. I think that we get up every day and we are unaware of the power that's been made available to us and we don't seek that power. We've lost that power and I think we're very much children of the Enlightenment in many ways and um, a lot of secular philosophy has done a, a doozy on the Christian worldview here in America where miracles and things of that nature is just doubted in general, but we don't live our life expecting miracles. And I'm not saying we all gotta go outside and raise people from the dead, that's not what I'm getting at. I'm getting at the miraculous power to even see some of the dead things in our lives raised to life. If, if God raised someone who was physically dead back to life, what are the dead things in your life? The things that you didn't even want to make a New Year's resolution for. There's some things you, you're pretty confident God can do. There's other things you're like, man, I, done, I put that on my resolution list 10 years ago. It's still the same, so I don't even want to put it on the list in 2022. That dead thing, that thing that you stop believing God for, do you believe there's miraculous power even for that? Friends, I submit to you, there are two ways to go about achieving your goals this year. Relying on your own strength and the power that you possess, which is faulty, and I know there are some people who will tell you turn within. But that power 
We've probably been doing things that way for a long time. And oftentimes, we call ourselves Christian, but you'll be surprised how quickly we go back to self-reliance. You will be surprised how easy you snap back in to trying to work yourself up, to have a lot of energy, to go. And you don't realize part of the reason why you've been in the same place over and over again. The failure to see consistent change, it's not because I'm not saying there are deeper issues and there's a lot of things that go into bringing about change. But I do believe one of the main things is we go about trying to do things in our own power. And a lot of things have turned into bondage that have lasted for years and we have not seen change because we have not consistently learned how to invite the presence of God into our lives. And that needs to be the primary goal we have. When we place our faith in Jesus, we have access to this power. But access to power isn't enough. We need to be constantly connected to the power. This is what Paul says in Galatians 5 when he tells us to walk by the Spirit. Right? He's, well, by faith, we've been connected and united with Christ by the Spirit that he's given to us as a down payment. And we are now united to Christ. But that, this is what the Bible refers to as sanctification. That needs to be, un, that needs to be walked out in our life. And there's a responsibility that we have that comes with that. I believe salvation is given to us by God and God alone, but our sanctification invites us along into the process. And if we are not active participants in that, we will miss out on the power that God has given to us for that change. And so, verse 4 of Second Peter, he says, by which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises, so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. When you place your faith in Christ, God called you to himself in order for you to forsake sin and evil and participate in his divine nature. What am I saying? I'm not saying we're going to become God or anything like that. But what I am saying is participating in the divine nature means becoming Christ-like. It means reflecting him in every area. Christ, who is God, he's called us now to have a renewed image of God by conforming us to the image of Christ. And in that way, we participate in the divine nature. And so why am I bringing this up? At the foundation of all of your goal setting for this new year must be the desire to grow in Christ-likeness. Reflecting the image of Christ is both the premier goal that you should have, and it is the root by which all other goals will be nurtured and experienced in growth. Is that clear? Let me say it again. Reflecting the image of Christ is both the premier goal that you should have, and it is the root by which all other goals will be nurtured and experienced in growth. It's both the means and the end. 
Your goals should not be set in a secular way apart from Christ. Shouldn't be, sometimes Christians compartmentalize. I'm Christian, but all my goals and all the things I desire are built on a secular way of thinking. Everything must be rooted in Christ-likeness. The ways of Jesus, the mind of Christ, should be informing how you go about setting and pursuing your goals. I'll give you some examples. If you have financial goals, you should be asking the question, what does Christ think about my finances? What is it, how does my finances reflect the glory of Christ? What does it mean to get to, to achieve financial wealth? How do I steward my money? You don't, you're, the Christian isn't just trying to accumulate wealth for the sake of accumulating wealth. There's a worldview that teaches us how we ought to steward our wealth. You have fitness goals. Think about what God says about your temple and living and honoring God in your temple and your body. Relationship goals. What does God say about loving my brother, loving my sister? What does God say about pursuing romantic interests? All of these goals that we have cannot be established apart from Christ. Everything we have, we have to, it has to be informed by Christ-likeness. Career goals, all the, all, everything. Nothing is apart. Nothing, no goal you can set ultimately should be apart from God feeding your worldview and your discipleship to Christ, informing both the goals you set and your motivation for pursuing those goals. It has to be all centered on that, and that is participating in the divine nature. So, how can we better reflect Christ in all of these areas? Ultimately, we're not just setting goals for our personal betterment. Although we certainly want to be better people with higher quality of life, we're setting goals that ultimately glorify God. That has to be the primary motivation. So, if Christ's likeness is both the primary goal and the means by which we achieve all of our other goals, how do we grow in our reflection of Christ? Quickly, the rest of the text in 2 Peter Peter gives us the answer. Now, really, the answer is all over Scripture, but, you know, not to limit everything to this list, but it's a good start. Verse 5 of 2 Peter. For this reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue, and virtue with knowledge, and knowledge with self-control, and self-control with steadfastness and steadfastness with godliness, and godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love. So virtue, what is that? Moral excellence, knowledge, practical wisdom, truth. We need the truth to, to, to fight against the lies, the truth found in scripture. Self-control, the ability to control one's passions and desires. Steadfastness, endurance, the ability to persevere in any circumstance. 
godliness, devotion to God and his word, brotherly affection, fellowship, and community with the church, characterized by our charity and love for one another, and love, loving God with all our heart, soul, and mind, and loving your neighbor as you would yourself, the two greatest commandments. And what is he saying? If you pursue these traits, you will look like Jesus. You will participate in the divine nature. And what does he say in verse 8? If these qualities are yours and increasing. I love that. He says, and increasing. Not just, when, listen, I think I'm a dope preacher, but this ain't going to do it. One sermon ain't going to do it. Reading your Bible for one time at the start of the year, fasting for seven. I used to think, man, I'm going to fast for seven days, and I'm going to be free of all my troubles. Jesus fasted for 40 days, and more trouble came. There's no quick fix to the Christian life. And so what is he saying? You have to consistently seek these things. Their qualities are yours and increasing. If they're increasing, what? They keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful. Ain't that what we want? Ain't all the goal setting to bear fruit? Isn't that it? At the end of the day, all of our goal setting is for this, fruit. And he's saying, add these things to your life and you will see God's power unleashed in all of your way, in, 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 in every way that he has get, uh, allowed for us to have. And you will not only have his worldview when you're shaping your goals, you will have the power and the perseverance to pursue these goals because you will have the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. And you will, by that knowledge, a deep knowing him, be conformed to his image. So, fam friends, family, I want us to step into the, this year with hope, with faith, with a renewed confidence in God's power. If we seek to submit ourselves to this word that Peter gave to us, what you will find is that you won't need to wait for the new year to find energy to change. You won't need to wait until January 2023. You'll possess God's divine power and energy all year long. Amen? Amen. Let me pray. Lord, I know I need this word more than everybody else. I pray that you would cause us to have a renewed vision for your power that is working in and through us, that is for us and that is in us, the miraculous power that raises dead things to life. Lord, give us vision for this new year and help us to make those promises, set plans, strategize, all those good things. But Lord, let us not ever, let us refuse to, 
to not fall into the same trap of self-reliance and a secular way of thinking about progress. But help us, O oh Lord, to love you in every way, shape, or form and have you, our image that is being conformed to your image inform all of our goal setting and give us the energy, the power we need to pursue the change that we want. In the name I pray, amen.